Hey man, fam, Kent here. Just want to tell you about what we've got going on over at our VIP club at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. We just recently released our AMA, in which we answer questions such as, what movies have disappointed us the most? What do we look for in good editing? What bad habits do we have as hosts that the man fam doesn't know about? We answer those questions and more in our monthly AMA that takes place every single month in the VIP. We also just released our throwback episode on Clue. 1985's Clue is celebrating its 35th anniversary and we discuss some of the plot points, some of the performances, and we wonder why the heck Tim Curry didn't win an Oscar for this one. If you like throwback episodes and you want more from us, just check us out at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. We've also got an exclusive Discord channel. It's an extremely active community of movie lovers in which we talk about what we're watching, we discuss our movie draft as it's happening. We've got a Mad About Music channel on there, Mad About Food, Mad About Star Wars, Mad About TV. We've got a little Trust Tree channel in there, too. So if you're having a rough day and you just want to talk to somebody who thinks like you do, the MamFam Discord is the place for you. So check us out at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Become a VIP. And we'll, of course, see you in the VIP club. Da, 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 da. You found it. Hey, you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. The movie of the week this week is The Invisible Man from Universal Pictures, starring Elizabeth Moss and John Cena. Pretty amazing. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it was a dead giveaway. It was John Cena when the John Cena when the Invisible Man started. Rapping in the floating George just walk, worked their way across the screen. Time is now. I hate to say he's been typecast, but that's a little typecast. I mean, he yeah. should be kind of offended. Yeah. Like, we right. need an invisible man. Who can we get? Not showing a lot Cena of range available at this point. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's shown the range of wrestler or invisible man. That's pretty much it. <laughs> and and rapper too, I should mm-hmm. say. Oh mm-hmm. uh, man. I never thought we would we would discuss any more of these movies. To be quite honest with you, after the Mummy came and went a few years ago, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, the the universe just insists on going on. It did. It did a little bit of a reset, reboot of this universe, though. Mm. Starting out with the Hollow Man universe. Is that? It's like, yeah, 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 total yeah. reboot of that. Yeah, Ke- I mean, Kevin Bacon. Like, I guess it's uh, only been 20 years, but it does seem like a little too early too for soon. a Hollow Man reboot. Um, but, I, you know, it worked. I mean, it's, it's, I enjoyed it. So I just don't know that it was necessary, you know. Yeah, way that's, less that's muscular genitals in this one. Just <laughs> just meat. Hollow Man was very – it left There's nothing the to the imagination, blurb. let's just say. There's the poster blurb. <laughs> So is this part of it? Because I know this was Blumhouse. This was, oh, I guess it was Universal. So yeah, it is part of that dark. I don't think so. I think okay. Invisible Man was with this is Universal. Shoot, okay, yeah. but like I don't think this was part of. Yeah, the it's not part of it originally. Like it wasn't part of their plan. It's not the Johnny they Depp had somebody one. cast for Invisible Woman yeah. that was like Angelina Jolie or something. Yeah. Like it was a big deal, and then it was supposed to be Depp, and okay. then. They uh, they halted all the projects, and then they changed their plans from a serialized universe to films based on individualized storytelling. So okay. they're just going to do certain ones instead of trying to build the serialized universe. So it's not canon. Shame. I was really waiting for Cruz to bust through. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was it was interesting. It would have been. It would have been certainly more interesting in that way, but I think this was far better. What about you, Brian? Yeah, like this was this was very. Uh, I was out on that whole Universal Monster movies. Like I thought it was a good idea, but it wasn't going to be one for me, you know. Right. Um, and then that first one was just so bad. Yeah, I'm this is much new. <laughs> this actually was was originally going to be the Johnny Depp one. Yeah, and. Yeah, it was kind of scheduled for this exact same release date, to be quite honest. And uh, the Bride of Frankenstein was another one that yeah, I that think, was the I think they're going to do. Anymore. Still, okay. I keep hearing about that. Still, that it's uh, still in development. But you know what? I think what happened here is they 
said, hey, let's not make these big blockbusters. Let's make these mid-level blockbusters, you know? Let's let's not make these May releases. Let's make these more like March or April releases and crank it yeah. down to like 25 to 30 million, 50 million dollar range instead of this 100 to 150 yeah. million dollar range and get a little bit more creative with these things and not have quite the star power we were going to have, not have and a bring dark in Blumhouse, Blumhouse to run it as individual. It looks like, mm-hmm. cause they said they, uh, that this one was never intended to be part of the cinematic universe is what, uh, they said on real blend, which is weird. It's like everyone, it's like they changed It's almost like it was a bad idea cause they changed their mind every month. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they're saying this, this one was always going to be independent. It's like, that seems like a really confusing idea mm. for if you're doing interconnected universe i don't know why <laughs> yeah. but it's smart to bring blum in to do it i mean that guy mm-hmm. kind of tonally yeah. is perfect for yeah Stephen blum yeah Stephen blum or steven producer steven he totally he's gonna be he, great uh, he's got the best tone of all time <laughs> <laughs> yeah the half price books his own Stephen. not anymore blum. oh not he anymore. left half price books end of an era oh wow they lost a good one there, mm-hmm. that isn't. I, I won't even go anymore yeah. because Blum's not there. I and I go and I tell them like I, the you know, the reason I'm not shopping here anymore is because mm-hmm. my good friend producer Steven's not here. And then I walk out and I uh, go down to Barnes and Noble and pay four times as much money. <laughs> he's starting he's his own. Them. You've showed that. Yeah. Yeah. He's starting his own half price books ripoff called Half Price Half Price Books. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's just, price books. Yeah. It's, it's not, not price of half price all. books. Yeah. yeah, he's losing money hand over fist. Taking but. all, taking all he's learned from half price books and applying yeah. that to a new business strategy. Yeah, quarter price books. <laughs> this place is gonna be awesome. Shout out, producer Steven. We love you. Thank you for we producing you. what six hundred plus episodes of the show so far. His work is not done. He's kind of a uh, he's. I consider him the Robert Evans of the podcast world. He wears a lot of track suits. He talks about doing pods. You know, it's more of an executive producer, Stephen. Now he's not really he's not running the board anymore. He's just kind of an ideas guy, <laughs> and he he helps us with the yes. uh, deal with the studio. Exactly. Thank you for taking fielding all those cease and desists, yeah. angry emails. We appreciate yeah. that, producer Stephen. Keep up the good work. Well, yeah. The first thing that surprised me with the Invisible Man was no dark universe logo at the beginning of this one thought we would thought we would maybe get that maybe if they were trying to keep this thing going that they would tack this on tack that onto this but yeah, it that seems is, like that's completely done it's yeah completely they canned over. it they canned it last january apparently when they brought in jason blum apparently that was part of that was to not just to kill Good. that which is going to be really weird forever i i kind of want to get a digital version now of the mummy and see if that's still on there <laughs> sure it is <laughs> yeah they gosh Go back and listen to our Mummy episode, listener, if you haven't. Yeah, but so confusing. One of my best movie draft confusing thing. Great Such job a weird by me. Thing, yeah. That was like a top three pick, too. It was I like, know. I, know, I know movie stars. I bet on Cruise. Cruise is going to cruise. The Man. only Cruise, one of like three Cruise bombs ever, and I, I hit on one. It, it, you know, it happens. <laughs> that one was, uh, whew, was amazing. But anyway, yeah. So... Kind of smart to do it this way, to be quite honest with you. I, yeah, hundred percent. I was, I was anticipating this one, uh, you know, in, in in terms of being a fan of the old property and saying, "Wow, there's some potential there." I think if they do it right, I think an Invisible Man movie could could work in 2020 with the mm-hmm. technology and the ability to to do it right. Maybe a smart writer and smart director at the helm, and yeah. So, you know, Elizabeth Moss hasn't really starred in a lot of movies. You know, she does in The Handmaid's Tales and Mad Men, of course, but hasn't isn't really movie was, star. Her her smell last year was was kind of big on the indie circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Other mm-hmm. than that, sure. a few things here or there. Yeah, she's a great actress though. I think she's in we'll yeah. have her in movies forever, I think. But yeah, you're right, Kent. Yeah, I, I would ter- certainly put her in the Saoirse Ronan Yeah. uh Jennifer Lawrence category of multiple Oscars. Probably will be included in the yeah. I'll be, resume, I would be pretty resume, surprised resume, uh, if she doesn't win an Oscar in the next forty years. I would be right. not to say she will, but if she doesn't, I'll be like, well, I would have lost money on that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was. You know, I think carried this movie. To be quite yeah. honest, you know, I think she did. She had all the movie stardom that you need in this. Mm-hmm. 
she carried it perfectly fine. And if I was another studio, I would use this as, Oh, we need to get her and more stuff as, as a leading, sure. as a leading lady yeah. instead of, Oh, she's great. Yeah. We need to have a, a more established actress and the leading role. And then her as a supporting mm-hmm. role. I think she, she established herself as a, as a leading lady in this one for yeah, sure. sure. So this one and comes. I think Handmaid's Tale can't go on forever. So let's cue up the thing. And former Mavs great Adrian Griffin as Adrian Griffin. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Worked by him. Chameleon. Chameleon, always. man. That Just lefty. Real team player, you know. Not only is he invisible, no one ever remembered he was left handed. That's what he's <laughs> Just sneak it in over you. The best thing about Adrian Griffin small Mavs tangent is that he never shot the basketball until he did. He would just randomly shoot once. And now the, the opposing teams is like, what, what just happened? He, I mean, he's like a hundred percent from the field because he never shot. Otherwise it's a fun time. So anyway, invisible man. Exactly. I don't know if you guys saw upgrade last year. Did you see that? Brian, did you ever watch I that? I did not. No. Okay. No, I, I did not see that either. I want to. Now I have, we've had lots this. of people that have told us that, yeah, we should see You that. need to see that one. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah, fun they, indie sci-fi kind of thing going going on. And and a really interesting, Lee Wanell, I mm-hmm. hope I'm saying that correctly, is the writer-director in, in charge of this and brought us this reboot adaptation of The Invisible Man. And I wonder what Universal did if they said, oh, we they saw Upgrade – you know, they've seen Insidious Chapter 3, they've seen Saw, they've seen some of his other movies that he's been involved in, you know, from a writing perspective and said, oh, we need to get this guy to do an Invisible mm-hmm. Man because this, in my opinion, is such a different mm-hmm. way to do this. You know, it almost felt like he probably might have written this and then said, hey, Universal, I've got this Invisible Man thing, kind of like what Todd Phillips did with the Joker. And That's said, what I thought too. Watch it, but he said that he got a call out of the blue, like really? asking him to do it. Yeah, I was doing some research on this. I mm-hmm. thought the same thing. It seemed like this was like a a passion project that he was able to do within like the studio system. But he uh, he said that like literally phone rang and they're like, it, I actually have the quote right here. It was weird. This film came about in a really random way. It wasn't like I was plugged into some kind of world building. I had just finished upgrade and they called me in for the meeting with these. Unit- execs i go to this meeting and they didn't really talk about upgrade upgrade i mean they said they liked it mm-hmm. and they moved on so i'm sitting on the couch thinking what am i here for what is this meeting about and then they started talking about the invisible man so mm. that sounds like jason blum actually was you know smart enough to see this pairing which is what good producing mm-hmm. is you know he's, mm-hmm. he's a talented guy absolutely. yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, that that is a great it's great to hear i didn't do much research of this I just got out of this movie to be quite honest with you and and took my notes and came in here and got on the air. So I didn't get to do much background on this one, but I'm familiar with his work. I've seen Upgrade. I've seen the Saw movies and I've seen Insidious. Remember, Brian, when you and I did the Insidious uh, VR experience <laughs> thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I went, that was at Comic Con, right? It was Dallas at Comic-Con Dallas we Comic Con, like, I don't know, yeah. uh, 2014. We had these like VIP maybe? treatment. Yeah. Like a tour. I mean, it was, they were so kind to do that. And then they took us to this thing, and I was like, well, I'm not interested in this at all. And they were like, no, you, you got to see it. It's really cool, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I went, and I sat down, and I closed my eyes as hard as I could, and I waited until the guy said, it's over. And I said, okay, cool, and got out, and, uh, and that was it. <laughs> he just, oh, he didn't even exactly look at the VR He thing. was giving me all these, like, if you look over in the corner, you'll be able to see, you know, just anywhere Whoa, you look in the room, you'll be able weird. to see stuff. And I was like, okay, well, dude, I'm not going to do that. So you're, you can just go, you can go 12 seconds faster by just starting this thing and being done, because I'm not going to do any of this. So A little inside uh, baseball there for you, listener. <laughs> So the the thing is you sat you basically put this VR headset on and when the thing turns on you're like sitting in the middle of this living room if, in the movie Insidious and this old lady is like sitting in front of you like with drinking tea or something that always ends well always yeah. Yeah. yeah and then you're in the uh <laughs> you're in the chair and then things just start coming through the windows and like you can't move you can't go anywhere <laughs> And then Dermot Mulroney comes in and saves the day. I think, or wait, was it David Duchovny or? Mm, might have been Dylan McDermott, Dil- but I, I didn't have my eyes yeah. open, so I can't tell you. Yeah, there is, there's, I wish there was a way to pinpoint there's that, no but way I don't think know. there is a way. No, there's way. no way. There's yeah. literally yeah. no way to know. Right. That's the, gr- that's the great mystery, one of life's great mysteries. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, what is time? There's just no way to really know. <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah, yeah it no depends way. on the perspective, really. Right. Exactly. Exactly. To some people, it's kind of like that. It. It's tough. It's like we're on the five year anniversary of that dress that went viral that was like blue and gray to some people and pink to other people. That's what it is. <laughs> some people see Dermot Mulroney and some people see Dylan McDermott, and there's no way to know which one. It's something about the cones in your eyes or something. <laughs> But neither yeah. one actually exists. They're yes. both a construct. They need to start using that uh, when you go to your optometrist. Like, uh, one works better two, and it's Dylan McDermott, and then better two, better three. How many it's, roles has Dermot like, Mulroney? I don't. I don't know, man. I'm very confused now. Yeah. How many roles has Dermot Mulroney gotten <laughs> from agents thinking they're calling Dylan McDermott? Oh yeah, for yeah. Sure. yeah. Hey, 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 man, I love the practice. Yeah. He's like, He's like, he just yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yep. Don't know what that has to do with me, but great. Yep. <laughs> Well, the X Files, great, yeah, so good. Um, anyway, here we go with. Uh, Don't mean to go down that road for the fortieth time ever on the show. Sorry, right. guys. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll continue as long as it presents yeah. itself as a clear path. We, uh, yeah, I'm not a big saw guy either. No, I'm really into that. Brian is. Brian's a huge oh my saw gosh. guy. Yeah, yeah. I I'm surprised saw. you saw this one, Brian guy. Yeah, I got. I had reports via yeah. the uh, the Discord that it was more suspense than horror, yeah. and it looked really good too. And then the rate the uh, the uh, Rotten Tomato score was very high, so I felt like that needed. To, I felt like I could handle this. It was fine. I didn't have any problems. Really, it wasn't. Yeah, the trailer was was appropriate in showing how I think at least how it was going to be suspense, not. Uh, the stuff that like jordan p i i think i've learned my lesson with jordan peele movies that they're not nearly as like actually scary like i can't sleep um as they seem in the trailer and so i'm gonna i'm gonna take that into consideration for future jordan peele movies but this was closer to to something like that where i was like i no, I, i think it was it was pretty clear that it wasn't like gonna terrify me and keep me up at night so this was kind of like tonally like right down right what i like in a quote-unquote scary movie for me like i love this on that front Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this is the kind that hardly ever exists that when that i this is why i continue to go see horror or thriller films hoping for this and it's like one out of every 10 delivers lately Mm -hmm. they're mostly jordan peele made but this one was this one was cool really cool and moss is go ahead yeah, I was going to go to you first, actually, for general thoughts, Richard. So yeah. you're going to run down maybe just general thoughts on yeah, this one. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, a, for me, I think, a really high degree of difficulty performance for Moss. Because like you said, Kent, I mean, you've just got to put this thing on your back for, for long long periods of time, stretches. And you have to be not only believable and scream queeny or whatever, but you also have to um, be interesting. Um for all that time and, and, uh, and be someone that the audience roots for. And yeah, I think it's a, re- I mean, she's obviously someone that's been around for 10 years, you know, you know who she is, but you, one of those few people now that kind of had to make the TV to movies leap over the last couple of years, like I said, with her, her smell and a few other things, because you know, that, that line doesn't really exist anymore as much, but it did kind of feel like she needed something like this to, for whatever reasons, the studios or or whatever to, uh, to, Oh yeah. She's not just a quote unquote streaming or TV person. So I'm excited to see her in more, in more films and I, more things like this that are, she's choosing really interesting roles and this is a really, mm-hmm. really cool one. Um, and, and to me, this kind of movie is only as good as your star and they knocked out of the park. So I love the, I love this movie. What about you, Brad guy? Yeah, I'm with you. I I mean, I love Elizabeth Moss. I think she's just one of the best actresses in in the whole industry. And I think part of that probably comes from you and I, Richard, we, you know, having watched Mad Men from uh, I can't, I don't think I started day one, but like second season. Yeah, same. Know, and she's That's she's exactly. so good. She's so good in Mad Men. And you in the early seasons, it was kind of easy to overlook her uh, because of because of John Hamm and uh, everybody else who's in it. It's mm-hmm. just such a powerful show and there's so much presence and then also her character was supposed to be kind of background um in the, the early going but i don't know where the flip is but by, by about season three or season four you're just like oh actually like this is might be elizabeth moss's show like she's yeah. so stinking good and um and they wrote very well for her too and and she just came through on that over and over so i've always been a big fan um i i don't know that i would have told you that she could be 
a movie star, and I don't know if this is necessarily a movie star role, but this is definitely like she is leading a mm-hmm. a movie that um, some you know a lot of other actresses I think would would have been less successful in. Uh, the movie would have been less successful, and and the performance would have been too. But she's this is she's great, and I, it's inevitable that she's going to get forgotten, just like Lupita did with mm-hmm. with us last year. I mean, it's like I can feel the the angst and anger about that already. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, cause genre and everything and early in the year and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, but it doesn't take away from the fact that she's, she's fantastic. And this is a really solid, really solid movie. I mean, it's the best movie I've seen this year. That's not saying a lot because it's barely March, but, uh, you, it wait, would not surprise me on. at all. You saw the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I saw birds of prey. I'm not sure. Harley Quinn, of- semicolon birds of prey. Okay. The movie that the title one. literally changed while it was in the movie. It's, it's, <laughs> um, that's going to be something I remember at the end year. But my point is, I, I this w- it wouldn't surprise me at all if this ended up being uh, top ten of the year for me. It's really, really good. And I'm with you, Richard. It's this is the perfect amount of uh, suspense and horror for me. It worked. It works so well on that level. And yeah, there are some stupid things and stupid choices that get made here and there, but it's. It's pretty mild compared to most horror movies, and it, it just really – it just goes, and I like that. I like that it, it doesn't spend too much time getting bogged down in uh, the technology or the buildup or anything like that, that you're, I don't know, 20 minutes into the movie, and she's already getting terrorized by this person, and I think that's smart. I think that keeps keeps the, the action going really well, and it, it allows that suspense to um, – not build the same way that, that I kind of expected it to. I kind of thought we might not see that guy or excuse me, see that she's getting terrorized by invisible people until uh, later in the movie. But instead it lets the, the development kind of go in, in a little bit different way and get, get, the, get that terror kind of pumping um, earlier than I might've expected. So I thought that was a really smart choice too. Yeah. I, I really dug it a lot. I'm, I'm very impressed by this movie. Absolutely. I'm just impressed by the vision from Lee Wanell or Wanell. I'll I'll go with Wanell now. So from now on, it's Wanell. I would change it every 10 minutes. That's what I would do. Okay, cool. I'll try. (laughs) I don't know if I can do that, but I'll 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 give it a shot. I'll start a timer. Okay, appreciate that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So I'm I'm just impressed by the originality of this, the smartness, I don't know, of this, (laughs) if that's a word. But I I totally didn't expect this to be as clever as it was, to be quite honest with you. I Mm -hmm. thought it was going to be a little bit cheesy in areas, but maybe with some good performances, maybe with some good jump scares, what we typically get in a horror movie. And anytime you see a horror movie that's on Rotten Tomatoes in the 90s, you know it's special. You know, not often, you know, not often good horror movies, some classic ones are in the 50s on there you know like it's because horror movies are not for everybody and i totally get that totally understand it but this is a movie that i think most people would enjoy it, it you're right richard it, it had the suspense that i kind of look for in these it's the suspense that i feel like is often i don't know forgotten there's not a movies like this that totally anymore jordan peele would probably be you know, something like Get Out would be similar to this, but he kind of brought that back with Get Out. There were the, the Hitchcockian style of horror movies that you don't That's really I, get yeah. anymore. This was very, you know, mid to late career Hitchcock kind of tone, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. modern. You're, that's a great pull by you, Kent. It did. It, it, and I, I did see a note that the score was in, influenced by Psycho. Yeah. Which I get that a lot. And the score of this movie was fantastic. It made so much impact. I saw this movie in the Dolby Atmos sound. Oh, cool. Oh, my gosh. So cool. So cool to see this. I I imagine this will be in the conversation for some sound mix, sound editing awards later in the year. Just because it it did have a lot to do with the sound and, and how you feel was predicated a lot on the sound. And often... The sound is sort of secondary, but I feel like they really thought about the sound at the outset with this movie and making that really, really stand out, and it did to me. So if you have not seen this movie yet, I would suggest going and seeing it at Dolby Atmos mm-hmm. sound and, and enjoy that if you can in a big, big, nice theater. But, man, I I really don't know where to start with this one other than I'm just – I'm kind of floored by 
by how many twists there were. I'm, I'm floored by the execution. I'm floored by the performances. I'm floored by the direction, the editing, the sound editing. Brian had I a mean, good note. Was, maybe uh, I don't think the, I don't think the screenplay, like the dialogue itself, was great. Yeah, but I felt like the beats of the plot. And, you know, from getting to point A to point B and, oh, the twist happens here and she finds out this here, that stuff really worked. But I don't know mm-hmm. if the dialogue itself was super, super great. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sure. Go ahead, Brian. What were you going to say, Richard? Oh, Brian had a qu- good note that I wanted to touch on, too. I mean, this thing hits the gas right away, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. That's true. So many, so many movies in – so you're willing to forgive some – you're right. There is some kind of sloppy uh, dialogue, but – on things, but it's just fine for this kind of f- film. But it's uh, so many movies beat around the bush so long with a setup, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're just like, but it's you know, like I'm here to see the Invisible Man and be scared of him. So like, and this this was really smart about that. Yeah, it gets right to the point on that. I, I like. I didn't expect. I really didn't expect that. I thought it would be. A lot of times we generate suspense by just drawing it out for as long as possible, you know, which works with Jaws. I mean, it doesn't always work with uh, every movie that we do. And right. so I, I appreciate it. We just we just got right to it and we're going and it was fun. It made it made for a fun experience in the midst of, of it being very suspenseful and, mm-hmm. and terrifying. Yeah. So her character wakes up in the middle of the night and in, in kind of a panic attack situation it was like oh three three a.m panic attack well i can relate to that nice uh, I'm, I'm in cool I, you know i got this and and so that happens she's escaping the house from she's escaping the clutches essentially of adrian her lover husband boyfriend and mm-hmm. small forward small mm-hmm. a, and a star of entourage adrian uh grenier <laughs> grenier handling wing. Wing. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. aquaman and by the way, uh, Lee Wanell was actually in Aquaman. A little weird, little weird oh, uh, co- coincidence. See the chain there. on the wallet? Yeah, I did. I did. I heard the chain from from back behind the camera. The chain. <laughs> so yeah, she's leaving the house. She's escaping the clutches of this guy who's been emotionally abusive, physically abusive, all those things. And her sister comes and picks her up in the middle of the night, and we get sort of the first jump scare of the movie where mm-hmm. Adrian punches through the window of the car as it's driving away. I was like, Oh, Oh man. Oh, wow. Yeah. And really that was loud too. Yeah. It was very loud and, and, uh, certainly made you think, okay, this, this guy, this is going to get pretty intense. I think that was maybe in the first three, four minutes of the movie, really cool house that they lived in. Yeah. Really like ex machina parasite kind of yeah. house that they, mm-hmm. that they live in. And so Adrian is this genius billionaire guy who works for this company called Optics. And Richard, Cl- any relation Click to opt- Click Optical? Yeah. yeah. You guys know, you've heard of Optics in your industry? Yeah, we have. We yeah. have. We're, we're, that's, I mean, this is basically my life. It's a big, yeah. You're working on the, <laughs> the, the need to go invisible, the uh, application of said invisibility and. And such. So expect Richard to fully fund this podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. in the next couple Going of years. Forward, yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. I'm excited. Excited about doing this full time. Well, she escapes the house uh, and we find out later that there's that she is in Adrian's will as the sole proprietor of stuff. He's he's committed suicide after she leaves, but she still is getting haunted by him. Mm. The invisible version of him. And I thought there were some really fun sequences in the movie that made you think, okay, she might be crazy, but also we know that there's somebody here. But I felt like the coincidental evidence of said um, haunting or whatever wasn't convincing enough to convince the people around her that she was being He's haunted by this invisible man. You know, it wasn't. It, they built. They slowly built up to that fact, and I really appreciated that. It wasn't like, oh, uh, you've left. Oh, wow, he's he's dis- discovered how to be invisible. Now he's haunting me. It, it took her a while. It was almost like an insane level build. Where is she insane, or or is this all really happening to her? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she may be wrong. She may be crazy. 
It's a lot of the way I like to worry about it. Think about it. <laughs> should write a song about that. That's, I should. It sounds very lyrical, actually. Yeah. Get in touch with uh, Gnarls Barkley. I think they could <laughs> maybe use that word, crazy, in a song. I prefer their brother, Ted. So, <laughs> so Ted she, <laughs> when she first goes to the hospital... I liked the little nod to the original Invisible Man movies. Did you notice that, Brian, with the guy being wheeled out and like and covered in bandages, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Kind of had that Dick Tracy vibe, that yeah. Invisible Man kind of look, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I, I expected an homage to a certain degree, but didn't think it would be that subtle, and I appreciated that. Uh I liked also what her what Adrian's brother said, who sort of becomes the antagonist of the movie, protagonist, helper. You don't really know what to think of him, whether he's evil or if he's trying to help her. But what he says to her in terms of, oh, she, he's just trying to get inside your head. He knows that he has a psychological hold on her. And even if he was gone forever, that he would still psychologically be controlling her. And I, you know, I, I didn't expect so much satirical uh, commentary on emotional abuse, controlling relationship type and of stuff, you know? Totally. And that's been the cool thing about, uh, you know, it used to be if you wanted kind of insight into things that are happening in society at least in film satirically it would always be in a comedy but now it's kind of like horror movies a lot of times you know obviously we start with get out and things like that have have a lot to say now which is can be super ham handed if handed if handled incorrectly because sometimes you just want to go and be scared but i feel like some of the smartest satire or at least like representation of like zeitgeisty issues are in are in horror films right now yeah that's a good point and i thought one of the most literal interpretations of what would happen if we had the ability to be invisible in 2020 and we wanted to take revenge on somebody. Oh, we just go to their computer and type an email to somebody. Right. Because there's no way time to people. (laughs) Right. It's the old, Oh, you left your uh, Facebook logged in here. Let me type a little stuff. But I've gotten so many ministers fired. Oh, (laughs) it is classic move. (laughs) That's <laughs> yeah, totally worth it. You're working your way up that food chain one one at a time. It, it's so funny because she's like, "Wow, you, you sent me this email." She's like, "No, I didn't." She's like, "Yeah, you you, you did. Here's your email." There's just no way for her to circumstantially defute uh, dispute that uh, evidence there, and that's just mind blowing how something so simple can do so much damage, you know. And it's it's it. It far surpasses the, what would you do if you were invisible? Well, I would go and, you know, s- sneak into restaurants, eat all this food, do all this stuff. It's like, man, something so easy of just sitting at someone's computer and typing an email can just ruin their life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and ruin their family, essentially, with her sister, mm-hmm. you know. And that hit home for me. It's like, wow, I didn't I thought it would be much more literal in this movie of and it does get very literal but I liked that he kind of chips away at her life that way through these small social mm. aspects. Yeah, and it, they it's I don't know if it's just the title and it's coincidence or if it was purposeful but there's there's a little bit from this that is there's some similarities to Closterman's book The Visible mm-hmm. Man um, and I thought done. that was interesting I was going to bring too. that up later yeah just kind of use those a little bit of the the notes on that to help maybe modernize this into yeah. a 2020 movie instead of a I think this book was written in 1897 so <laughs> yeah. um H.G. Yeah. Wells yeah, so that that was. I mean, I think that was smart. Uh, to uh, th- there's a that's not my favorite Closterman book by any means, but there's some really interesting. I felt like that was one of his more interesting yeah. uh, essays or short stories that just turned into a whole book and maybe wasn't yeah. The that great um, of a book, if you don't but, know the plot of that book, it's basically like a man has invented a invisible suit and he goes to therapy and then becomes obsessed with his therapist. So right, and she never really knows if he's there or not. And it's the same. It's yeah, that's a good good comp. But I think that helped just kind of bring a mm-hmm. little mod- modernity to it. If that's a, I don't even know if that's a word, but modernizing it a bit, and that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like there's things in that can't. You're right with like some of the the dialogue and such where you just 
you kind of want to be like, you hope that, um, were you in this situation that, uh, the people in your life would be like, okay, like I get, there's no way you sent this email. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on that, but they do a very good job of creating. There's no email I'm not capable of sending, (laughs) but they do a good job of creating, creating an atmosphere where it feels reasonable to think that she's completely crazy. Um, and that, that goes a long way to furthering, uh, the plot and, and the, the setup for, for what come, how things play out in the, the back half of the second act and then into the third act. We're going to get into a little bit of spoiler talk here with the invisible man, but you know, what's invisible sometimes for us guys and girls, it's our hair. The older we get, the more hair we lose. It's just the fact of life. No one gains more hair the older they get. And there are different ways to combat that hair loss. And there are some awkward ways to combat that hair loss as well. But the least awkward way that I have found, and trust me, I have looked everywhere, is our friends over at Keeps. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. So in the case of our podcast, two out of the three of us will eventually have some problems with this. But there is some good news. Keeps has proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and keep the hair on your head at half the cost of your local pharmacy. You don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Prevention is key. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. Thanks to Keeps, you don't have to go to a doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now you can just visit a doctor online. Get your hair loss medication delivered to your home discreetly. No more waiting rooms. No more pharmacy checkout lines. Keeps has you covered. So trust me, I have done it all. I've gone to doctors, I've done surgeries, I've done prescriptions. And honestly, I wish I had known about Keeps before going through all that stuff because Keeps has better results, it's cheaper, and you don't have to be embarrassed by talking to a bunch of physicians. You don't have to drive anywhere. That's one hell of a deal if you ask me for getting to keep your hair. So Keeps are offering our listeners here at Mad About Movies a special deal. If they want to keep their hair, they can take action at keeps.com slash mad. You receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps, K-E-E-P-S, dot com slash mad. Receive that first month free of hair loss treatment. It's keeps, K-E-E-P-S, dot com slash mad. Keep your hair, guys. Keep it with keeps. Big spoilers coming up right now. Right now, big spoilers for Invisible Man if you haven't seen it. So, it all comes kind of to, a, I don't know, crashing interface when she goes to see her sister at the at the uh, restaurant it is, I guess. And she's like, hey, it wasn't me who emailed you. Trust me, he's stalking me, my, my ex. He... He he didn't he didn't want me to get away. He's controlling me. All this stuff, and essentially the Invisible Man is right there the whole time. Takes out a knife and slits her sister's throat. Puts it in Cecilia's hand and walks away. And then everybody turns around and's like, "What? What? Oh my god!" You know, and fra- basically frames her for murder and in less than five seconds in this public place. And and to be honest, going into that scene. I was so thankful. I was like, oh, thank you, Cecilia, for going into a public place where probably nothing can happen, right? Because if it's in public, everybody would see. But I thought that was a really cool setup by Lee Whannell to to frame that moment in a public setting, you know, instead of like murdering it around her house or whatever. It, it, it threw off my expectations, for what I was expecting in that scene to what it ended up happening. And at that moment, my jaw dropped. I was like, wow, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> that was honestly incredible writing and set up and all of that and, and really subverted what I thought was going to happen there. But Brian, any thoughts on that moment? No, that was great. It wasn't exactly what I expected in the moment. In hindsight, I was like, I absolutely should have been expecting that. <laughs> um, but it, it caught me off guard and uh and really did i mean this movie does a great you you mentioned or you guys mentioned earlier the the sequence with the him like pounding the glass and breaking and shattering the window and there's a couple but it, it really does bust out into small moments of very intense violence and it, and the score and the sound mix on this was so good that it felt like 
somebody was in the room with you trying to hit you and stuff. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was very well done on that. So yeah, that moment, like it's, um, it's shocking and it's, but it's very effective and it's, in it's, uh, it's shockingness. There was no, um, again, like in hindsight, I, I probably should have seen it coming, but I guess I wasn't completely there yet. And it's just like, Oh, okay. This is how we're doing this. This is, this is going to get hardcore. Um, and then there's more of those moments from there on, but I thought that was a great, I thought that was a, a really good setup for where the movie goes for the next, you know, 30 or 40 minutes to the end. Yeah. It, it caught me by surprise for sure. Yeah. I guess I should rewind just a tad here and point out a few different things. So when Cecilia first exits the house, she goes and gets her safety deposit bag or whatever it is with her social security card and some valuables and things like that and leaves the house. It's like a kind of a hidden compartment in their closet. And I like the way she used that hidden compartment when she goes back to the house to look for evidence and finds this suit, right? So I was always wondering how, what kind of technology was at stake here. I thought it had something to do with the drugs that they had hinted at earlier in the, in the movie and that there was some kind of drug concoction that created invisibility like we've seen in, for instance, Hollow Man. But I thought it was very clever that they used a suit for the invisible man instead of it being, Oh, he's just turned himself invisible with some laser gun or something. You know, I, mm. I expected something like that in this, but I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised that it was, it seemed like a believable scenario. And according to Lee Winnell, this technology oh, is not that far minutes. away. It's been 10 minutes. Kent, you want to go Waddle? Yeah. Lee Waddle. <laughs> According yeah, to Lee Waddle, this technology is is being tested out and can actually happen. Essentially, all they're doing is they have a million cameras, camera angles, and they just take that data and flip it around, you know? It's kind of the same technology that they use in Avengers for the hover helicarrier thing in order for them to go invisible is just uh, using that data and flipping it around so that it looks invisible. I thought that was a really clever way to go about this instead of some magic or some kind of curse or whatever you want to say, you know, biology. I don't know, but I, I didn't expect a suit, but when we got the suit, I was like, okay, that's awesome. And, and the execution of that was really cool. One other note on that, when she goes up in the attic and she realizes that he's actually in the attic with, when she calls his phone and she hears it vibrating up in the attic and that he's been hiding up there to terrorize her. Mm-hmm. And she goes up there and she, I don't know if this was a little homage, maybe guys, maybe they, maybe Lee Wannell is a, a listener to the podcast, but she noticed the white, white paint, white face paint, that uh, <laughs> little Johnny Depp homage there for what could have been. That was just left over from that's what I mean. planning that movie. They yeah, were there was... in, in development and like, well, we've, we bought all this white paint. We've got to use it somehow. <laughs> yeah. That was six point five million of the seven million dollar budget, it's, and it uh, wasn't even for the movie. It was just like personally, like when he wants it was to in his trailer for coffee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that was, I thought that was funny, but yeah. So, so on the note of the uh, safety deposit area, the secret compartment, I like that she stashed the suit away when she mm. went back there because you knew that that was going to come into play at a later yeah. point and. Boy, I did thought it. it was really stupid in the moment, but I, I mean, you, I know, okay, obviously this is going to be a thing that we come back to, but in the moment you're like, that seems like a really bad plan. Like, why don't you have your phone recording video of this suit and all these other things? And I get it. It's, it's MacGuffins and it is, and it paid off really well. But in the moment I was like, Oh, that feels like a mistake. It's not, not a great choice here. After she kills uh, her sister or is framed for killing her sister, they, they take her immediately into an insane asylum. <laughs> and I just love that. Her just screaming, no, it's the invisible man. He's stalking me. He's in the room with us. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, lady. Yeah, cool. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. such a thing where if you were working there, you'd be like, oh, this lady thinks there's an invisible man that killed her sister. But she was she literally had the knife when we found her and all this stuff, you know. It, man, I feel like they really play with reality on that one, too, a little bit. And I think Elizabeth Moss really just – that was the Oscar moment there, you know, mm-hmm. and she's being drugged mm-hmm. into the insane asylum, like crying, screaming, like 
all the emotion that she could muster was shown in that moment. Yeah. And uh, she yeah. did a great job. She's great. Yeah. It, that that sequence had a bit of a Soderbergh vibe. You remember the um, – shoot, I forgot now. The t- what's the title of the one that he did about the insane? That's what, what I said, Unsane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, sorry, yeah. I missed. Sorry, yeah. That that reminded me a lot of that that sequence. That was a very uh, Soderberghy yes. sort of way to do things. It was very cool. It was good. So we find out also while she's in the insane asylum that she's pregnant, and then we get a little bit more political here with, oh, uh, well, actually, in the will is that if you're claimed to be insane or a criminal, then the basically the money goes to somebody else, right? And then it becomes, we want you dead, but we want the baby to live so that the baby can inherit the will and not you and all this stuff. Uh, I was blown away by just the amount of twists in there, and that was just another twist that I didn't expect with that. Did you expect that at all? No, not really. I mean, that wasn't I guess twisting the fact that that Adrian's brother was the bad guy is what I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or could have been I, the bad I, guy. We don't know. I mean, we'll get to that, but yeah, uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't necessarily expecting the the pregnancy bit. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. It made for a, a a fun twist. I did. St- I wanted. To, I wanted to ask you guys. I did start to get the vibe at some point. I guess probably when he showed up to to uh, the the insane asylum again to like talk to her and give her the. Um, the paperwork and all that sort of stuff. I started to get the, Oh, is this going to be like a scream kind of vibe where we're going to have two killers? Is that what this is going to end up? Did y'all was, did y'all feel that way? Did you, were you picking up those vibes as well? Or was I just kind of out there? Um, Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Uh, I, I wasn't there, but yeah, elaborate more. What do you, what, what do you, I don't know. Just in that scene, and I mean, it kind of turned out right. I mean, he's sure. he ends up being the second killer, and so or or however that I don't know exactly how you would say that that played out, but he was in on it at least. Mm-hmm. But I started to feel like, uh, oh, this is going to be a, a like Scream again, a movie where there are two well, two killers, yeah. not just not just one. Um, and I, like I said, I guess that kind of came to that's he's in on it, but I don't know that you, I don't know where he. You really think he began to be in on it, or whether he was just full on the a patsy at the end, or or what? But. I don't know. Uh, I, I think it could go either way, to be honest with you. I, and I think Lee may, might have intended it that way because essentially, when we'll talk about this final sequence where she's busting out of the asylum and he's trying to kill her at the same time, that was an incredible sequence. Yeah. I mean. Killing all those doctors and everything, as there are all those police security officers and everything, was mm-hmm. was really well done. But I mean, essentially, when she kills him with the gun, he's just running away. So I mean, if there were two suits or whatever, and one of them was Adrian and one of them was the brother, mm-hmm. she kills him while he's running away. So it could have just been the brother, like trying to get out of there. And she shoots him and then pulls off his mask and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, it's the brother, mm-hmm. you know? And he could have been escaping that whole time, right? Or, mm-hmm. or avoiding detection, whatever you want to say. But what blew my mind about that also was, you know, she goes, I guess later in the movie, she says, oh, there's a, there's a, when they say, okay, we, we believe you now, we see all the evidence, they say, yeah, there's people at the insane asylum that were eyewitnesses. I was like, well, isn't there like 9,000 cameras at that thing that would have said, well, why is this yeah. guy flying around being shot mm-hmm. by no, you know, like, and she runs out of the, the asylum and there's like a giant wall of monitors as she's running out. I thought mm-hmm. there's so many of the plots, so many of the little, uh, I guess, um, twists had to do with security cameras, deleting footage, knowing where the cameras are, things like that, that I thought that would have been a bigger player and it would be the actual camera footage of what happened there. But there was an eyewitness, so that's all they needed, right? They didn't need any of the evidence or maybe it was deleted. I don't know, but mm. that seemed like a little oversight, a little plot hole there. But let's move to this last last scene. So she's mm. at dinner with Adrian and I don't know. How did you interpret what happened, Brian? I love that. I thought it was a really 
dark. I came out of this on fire with that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I thought that was just a real, that was a perfect ending and fit the, the theme kind of what you were talking about earlier, Richard, with like, you know, we're looking to horror movies to have our, for our social commentary, not comedy. Like that was a very, a lot about the state of society, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, and, and really, I mean, that's just, that was, that was awesome. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was a really smart way to, to, to end that. And I loved her. Um, I love that she went into it with, like what she says to her friend coming out of there of like, no, I went in hoping that he would, you know, admit that he did this stuff, but then mm-hmm. he didn't do it. But having the, um, like the backup plan of like, and if he doesn't, then I'm going to murder him. And that's, I just, I thought that was a, a really cool, smart, um, dark ending that I, yeah. that I dug. I thought it, I thought that took, it was not quite the same as like Parasite, you know, where I said that the last 20 minutes takes that movie from a, from a really good movie to a great movie. It's not quite to that level, but it definitely ended on a, on a high note and left me feeling like dad gum. They knew what they were doing with this. Yeah. One. That was kind really of a cool choice. pop. Um, yeah, kind of a pulpy, like, you know, exploit you know exploitation movie ending to this. You know where she it's it ends up being a revenge movie in some ways, which is cool. Yeah, that was that was that was cool. And and what I hinted at earlier about the secret compartment, where she's like, "Oh, let me go to the washroom real quick," and she goes to the secret compartment to put on the suit to come back, only to get him to quote unquote kill himself in front of the cameras. Right? Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. And then she takes off the suit walks back into the frame of the, of the camera and calls 911 like, Oh my God, what happened? You know, I love that. The, the, the ingenuity of it all, like you said, the, the social commentary of the revenge and the, uh, not taking no crap from anyone kind of thing. And the fact that her friend was listening and he kind of agreed to be an eyewitness to, you know, to her benefit through uh, the audio kind of portion of it. Uh, I love that. I love that ending. And I mean, this, this movie could have ended several different ways. I mean, this movie could have ended with, Oh my gosh, the brother was there, but was it the brother? Oh, we will never know the end, you know, but I agree, Brian, with that last kind of epilogue moment of them at the dinner and having that, that, uh, relationship moment really did Mm -hmm. cement this as a, it was a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it gives you, I liked that it also kind of gave the audience an out because that the whole thing, when he said, when he says surprise or whatever, if you had mm-hmm. any doubt as an audience member that this guy's a sociopath, who has been doing this and you shouldn't, I, I think it was pretty obvious through the point that he for sure was doing all this stuff and was super in on it. If not completely the only part, I, whatever it is, but but that little moment is it's a nice note because it 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 lets the audience be like, okay, we know that this guy's it, and she's now she's going to go get her her justice, and that's and we can feel good about that and not have any reservations. I thought that was a very smart little choice too to to have that one little throw in um, that I don't know. Anyway, gives gives the audience an excuse to be like, yep, okay, murder this guy, you know, that's, right. Well, I mean, I was. I always yell that in movies, though. Murder mm-hmm, this guy. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. in Sonic, it was a little. That you would stop. Yeah, yeah, no, in Sonic, it was inappropriate in Toy Story no. Four. Um, but... Well, that one I'll take back. But yeah, it should Sonic. have been murder this fork, not guy. Going to be more more specific. Well, man, this was this blew me away. I I did not. I mean, when I saw this on the release schedule, I'm like, okay, that'll be fine at best mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it'll be a I think we all did a, a yeah, third place totally. on the weekend fun horror maybe a gift for early in the but year. i did so, not yeah. expect this to be smart uh have any kind of commentary aspect to it didn't expect elizabeth moss to just blow me away like she did like i love her i think she's great but i mean this this felt like another unsane to be honest with you brian it felt like a really like mm-hmm. okay that that's cool and kind of tonally i see what they're doing there and there's some stuff to take away but i mean this this is far and away the best movie of the year so far in my opinion oh yeah and yeah if this one's not in the top of my list not in the at the top but if it's not not in the conversation for my top 10 it'll be a great a great uh 2020 because mm-hmm. this is a kent garrison movie for sure for sure on yeah. all levels totally so with that you want to hit grades here 
Let's do it. I'm going to give this a solid A, man. Just uh, close to an A+. plus. It's between an A and an A+. plus. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a 96 in my mind if I'm thinking. <laughs> so yeah, that's mine. What about you, Ron? Yeah, that's right where I'm at. Uh, I'm going to give it an A, but being it as it is so early in the year, it's possible that a second viewing on this or just a little more time to think about it may bring it up. I mean, it's that good. I'm, I'm very... I'm very surprised. Uh, uh-huh. I thought it, even with the reviews, even with the Rotten Tomato scores and everything, I was like, this should be good. Um, it's, it's, it's better than that. It's, I, I came home and, and told my wife, we've got friends over tonight. I was like, that's, it's really, really good guys. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed with it. So what if they had started the dark universe with a movie oh, like this? We'd be so fired up. Oh my gosh. Oh, I would be dude. like, this is, I'm all in. That we this is honestly this should be part of the conversation. Do more of this. This movie costs seven million dollars. Make more movies like that and give them wide releases. Make good movies with good actors for smaller budgets and stop. I mean, I just kept going back and thinking about Call of the Wild last week. That's that cost one hundred and twenty-five million dollars to make or whatever, and should have been half that. Use practical effects when you can. Get good actors, get a decent – get people behind the camera who kind of know what they're doing and just make decent movies that can turn into very good – you know what I mean? Like it's just such a smarter yeah. smarter mold than so many this of the thing, other movies. That seven X its budget in the first yes. weekend. First out. week, yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to make $200 million to be extremely profitable that way. It's, it's just – come on, guys. Think this through a little bit. wonder if they take this – momentum and this tone and say oh let's do a frankenstein for 15 million and it's about some crazy mm-hmm. yeah modern scientist I mean, that goes i think nuts, you, you know, know I, I not that they have to be connected and i i hope they're not because that's a little bit of a force because what are you going to do unite everyone with mm-hmm. this but I, I always thought that was kind of a weird idea but i think if you have blum doing this he's kind of he can serve as the feige and obviously he knows kind of unsung filmmakers that might have a good take on it. And if he mm-hmm. could just keep cranking out $10 million every time, one or two a year of this sort of um, thriller with like some twists on an existing property, I think they could make, you know, they could easily 10X their budget on them every year and just have a nice little business going with Universal and then, you know, throw out a Fast and Furious movie every year and have a mm-hmm. pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, kind of rebuild that studio that way. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. All right, that's the Invisible Man. I, I'm going to grade it too. Oh yeah, uh, sorry about that. No worries. I'm going to go. I think I'm going to bump up its average here. I'm going to go A plus, just nice. so that we, you, we kind of brings up. Since you guys were kind of torn between the two, that'll get our average grade kind of right where we need to be. Well, there we go. It's definitely worth the time, and definitely worth a rewatch. I think I'm excited to see this one again and. Man, there's so much that can be done with ten million dollars. It blows my mind that that anything costs more than fifty million dollars nowadays. Is <laughs> I mean, unless it's the Avengers or something. I know. It just I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. You know, uh, the fact that uh, Call of the Wild costs one hundred and fifty million dollars is crazy. You could no do sense. these movies for twenty, twenty yeah. to twenty five is fine. I mean, they don't have to be seven. Right. You know, this one I'm glad. I mean, they obviously didn't. You're not just going to burn money to burn it. But if there's something that needs to be a little bigger scale, mm-hmm. then do it for 20 and these will still be profitable. But none of these should be $100 million budgets at all. No. I think they learned their lesson. It's kind of sure. the charm of those early monster movies. And yeah. This, you know what I mean? It's It, it, it kind of goes i don't know it, it's just very it's uh, very odd it's just like they it's like they come into the room with well it's got to it's first of all it's gonna cost 200 million dollars you're like well but why there's no reason that anyway so I'm, I'm glad that this i hope movies like this are are a little bit of a a guiding light for the studios and how to do this because this is so much better than what you're gonna get uh from a lot of the there's no way that that a 200 million dollar version of this is any better than this movie you know and let's let's think these things through a little bit y'all absolutely so hopefully this is a sign of things to come thank you for listening brian where can i find you online you can find me on the twitter beagle 12 you can find my writing at mad about movies podcast.com and the mad about movies podcast newsletter uh richard where can we find you yeah same spots except richard barden on social media kent where can i find you at Kent Garrison on social media. Find all of our episodes at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Get over in that Discord. 
We want to hear what you thought about The Invisible Man over on our spoilers channel. We want to hear what you think about the show over on our show discussion channel. And we want to see what you're, you've been watching. Maybe get some weekly recommends in there. we got channels for all that stuff on the Discord for our VIPs. So check it out, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP to get involved with that. Uh, next week we'll be talking about Onward, the new Pixar movie. One of two that will be coming out this year. So we'll kick off maybe the official summer movie season a little bit early this year in March. We've got a lot of big movies coming out. we got A Quiet Place. We've got Fast and Furious. A lot of stuff coming up in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, we'll see you at the same Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs.